we know that so many business owners, myself included, and I think yourself included, when we start, we're basically creating a salary for ourselves. And yeah. then we haven't really built a business or a business asset so much as we have created a job for ourselves and we can't yes. sell that. And uh, so what would be the first step that someone should take when they're trying to move on, move out of their business a little bit, move beyond just having made themselves a job? The easiest thing to do first is to simplify as many tasks in the business as you can. And you can usually use the web to do that. You know, automated invoicing, recurring, things like that. that that's the easiest place to start because it gets rid of busy work for you and for employees. Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. My guest today is Lisa Kipps Brown. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you. I love your energy. And guys, Lisa is the author of Boomer Cash Out. She's a business reimaginer and opportunity miner. I love the language. She's got 25 years of internet business experience and 30 years of entrepreneurial experience. She helps her clients use the web to adapt their businesses to meet their needs at different stages of life. Things that improve the odds of selling for retirement, growing without hiring employees, creating new revenue streams, adapting to work from anywhere, or just meeting the demands of becoming a caregiver. So it sounds like you really focus on like the 50, 60 plus age group in your business. Well, you know, that book does because, and when I wrote the book, my mom had just passed away from Alzheimer's and I had been her caregiver. So I was like at this stage that that was fresh in my mind, but the advice in it is really for anybody, but I was targeting the book, the, the title, I was targeting people in like 50 and older because they will be getting to a stage of their life that they need to be thinking about selling their business. And most people don't even have anything they can sell. So that's why the title, but yeah, I literally have clients from mid twenties to late sixties. So I think that's a really good point. I want to pick on that before we even get into your story. I agree with you. A lot of people build businesses that don't have any saleable value, which means they basically built themselves a job, which I think is great mm -hmm. as a starting point, right? right? To start off, you want to build yourself a job. Now you're independent. I call it creating your own salary. I think it's so empowering. It's fantastic. You're not dependent on anyone else. Create your own salary. Right. But there's a point that you can graduate that so that you now own a business and you have an asset and you can choose to work in it or not, or to sell it, or to move on. Exactly. And what does that look like? Do you guide people to take that salary they've created and turn it into a saleable asset? It depends on the person's goal. So okay. some people that I work with may already have a saleable asset, and they don't really want to affect that business, but they know that they want to keep working after they retire 
maybe. So I help them take their decades of expertise and start building a personal brand and figuring out how they can work as little or as much as they want later. So that's some people, but some people are like you, like you mentioned, they basically are solopreneur or maybe they even have several employees, but they are working in the business. And if they're not working in the business, there is no business. But, you know, I always tell people, nobody wants to buy a job. So <laughs> I, I love that line. It's true. Nobody wants to buy a job. So if that's you, the most you might have is an email list to sell. And unless it's somebody very targeted that those names would be valuable to, you know, that list is not worth very much. And it used to be with traditional businesses that a lot of small business owners at least owned the building they were in. Um, so they'd close down and sell it. But now a lot of people, including myself, I work from home. I do have an office, but it's in a little bungalow right next door to me. So might as well be from home, you know? Um, so we have to be thinking about what are assets that we can build up that are, aren't physical and they don't necessarily have to be digital, but it has to be some type of productized service or thing that has value to other people. So that's one thing that I help people do. Um, but I also help them create new revenue streams within an established business uh, because maybe the established revenue streams are more dependent on you, but there are ways that you could create new streams that are less dependent on you. Um, I also help integrate with automation as much as possible, not just with marketing, but also with operations. Like what? Um, like what kind of tools? Okay, like... The, the very basic things for most people to dip their toes in are email marketing and invoicing because they can relate to that. But once I can get them to, okay, yeah, you're doing recurring invoices now, you're, the reminders are going out automatically, then I can start moving them into things like chat bots or funnels on their website, you know, that kind of thing. And that way, that helps them not have to hire as many people. It helps them work less and it helps a potential owner walk in to a business that's a bit more turnkey. But I'm gonna use, for example, my cousin. Now I did not do this for him. So I wanna make this very clear. Um, he, he's in Georgia. I didn't really, I knew he owned a landscaping company. That's about all I knew. But I saw on Facebook that his wife had been hounding him to get set up on a CRM and to start, you know, automating more the invoicing and everything, but also to have templates and everything ready to go for proposals and estimates. And he dug his feet in for a long time, which is funny because he's like way younger than me, but he dug his feet in. He was like a pen and paper kind of guy. And he finally did it. And he literally was saving 20 hours a week. And in that same year, that's when his business went over a million dollars in revenue. And now he, one year later, a year and a half maybe later, now he's branching out into another um, sector kind of within landscaping. So that, that gives you an idea. The things that we don't think are taking that much time, five, 10 minutes at a time are really taking a lot of time because they all add up. I love this. Okay, we're definitely going to get deeper into this. How did you get here? What, what is your background? Right? What does it mean, internet business experience and entrepreneurship? 
Okay. Well, my degree is in accounting. I hated it. Really good at accounting, really good at math, passed the CPA exam without studying and was miserable. You know, I was one of those people that had no clue what I wanted to do. So I picked accounting because it was numbers and I didn't want to be a math teacher, you know? Um, So, but I was working in accounting and I was an assistant controller for an international software company. And by this time I had had my kids and my husband and I had started a couple businesses. We owned a yacht brokerage, a new boat dealership, that kind of thing. But while I, and I had a sideline business that I was doing business consulting and it tended to be more of the financial type stuff since my background had been accounting, but working at the software company, this was in 95, one of the young coders from England was like, oh, you ought to add web design to your business. I'm like, no way, because, hey, I'm 59. So when I was in college, we had to take Fortran. And I don't know if you ever took Fortran. (laughs) I didn't know. My mom did. Oh, my God. Sitting in line with punch cards, waiting to do your punch cards, and then going and reviewing them for errors, doing it all over. I was like, no way. And he goes, oh, it's nothing like that. So he piqued my interest just enough to look into it. And I realized, this is perfect for me because I'm like, I'm impatient and I, and kind of impulsive. And so I realized that web design would let me do something and see almost immediately if it worked. So I literally dropped my CPA license, dropped everything else. And I started my web and marketing strategy business in 96. So Mm -hmm. my first business, I started in 1990, but this business, I started in 96. And that business was building websites for people. Yeah, yeah. And, but uh, over the years, just as a natural part of what I did, I always gave them business advice and financial advice because I had this experience. So, I mean, it might be something kind of more factual, like, oh, don't call your e-commerce shipping. Don't call it shipping and handling because like in our state, if you call it shipping and handling, the handling part was taxable. Most people don't know that. They just look at it as words. So I would advise on things like that, but I also advised on creating products and everything just because I like it. Um, and I, you know, as the web has evolved, now people don't really, really need web designers or they don't need them as much. What they need is the strategy and to understand how to make everything work together. Um, So now I still own the web and marketing strategy company, but now I myself focus more on the actual consulting and the high value things like helping people get their business ready to sell. I love it. So web strategy, what does that look like? All right. Well, web strategy, you know, people think of, okay, my website, my funnel. It's not that it's Here's your business. Look at the web as not something separate. Look at it as part of this. If you can imagine a bubble that you're in, how can your whole business like basically merge into the web almost seamlessly? You know, we already do that with our telephones because people are used to using telephones. But I always remind people that, you know, decades ago, there were businesses that didn't have telephones. They thought, I don't need a telephone. You know, now we carry a telephone slash computer in our back pocket. So the point is their entire industries 
that have been built up around just a telephone. And so I try to get people to look at the bigger picture. Don't look at the internet as just a website or just email. Look at it as more of a conceptual, just enlarging your world. And how, how can you do things differently in your business than other people are that help you take full advantage of the web? I don't know if that's very, I know that's it's very- too big. Give me something more practical. I like practical. Okay, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I had a client whose whose husband died of cancer and she owned a company that she had a set of technical guides. They were sailboat guides, they were print. And so every couple of years she would write a new volume, but they were always in print. It had like thousands of boats. Each volume would have different boats, but hey, print, you have to get it reprinted. When it was self-published, you have to get it reprinted when you run out. So her husband had died. They had did not have good insurance, no, not good health insurance or life insurance, as a lot of self-employed people. And she was out of stock on the books. She couldn't afford to take it back to print. So I worked with her and I took the printed product and turned it into a digital product. So we put thousands of PDFs online, all these technical drawings, the descriptions, built a database that people could search like by um, what kind of water do you want to sail in? Blue water, lakes, intercoastal. How many people do you want to sleep? Zero to whatever. You know, do you need a head galley? So had this search engine built up and we developed subscription-based products. Somebody like you who just was thinking about buying a boat could pay for like 24-hour access to go on and search around and then print off the PDFs. But yacht brokers could be, they could have a subscription for the entire year. And there were new boats added every single day where before it was like every couple of years, she would put out a new volume. So this way she got to constantly update it and she had two new revenue streams. Now I'm going to put this in perspective. This was in 1998 that we Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, that changes, meaning everything you're saying, like, yeah, okay, of course, of course. Why hadn't she done that? But yes. that's 98. No one was doing that. Right. There weren't even shopping carts that you could get. I had to develop my first shopping cart because there were none. Wow. And so I did this in 98 is when we launched it. And even most, uh, probably a lot of your listeners are going to have no clue what this is, but I even developed a Palm Pilot app for it. <laughs> So I remember Palm Pilots. <laughs> yeah, so yacht brokers could take it. Like we have our iPhones now. A yacht broker could have their Palm Pilot and pull it up when they're out in the field looking at a boat, you know? Wow. So people, yeah, now it's standard practice. It's kind of like yawn, whatever. I literally, to this day, don't know of any subscription-based products then other than internet service providers. Yeah. And things like that. You know, AOL, the... It, no, it wasn't a thing. So yeah. you were very ahead of your time. That is so cool. And that's so, just the way my brain works though. I'm like, how can we make it easier? And what are the parts that we really hate doing? The biggest pain point, which for her is not only paying for it, but having to write the book, having to wait, having to sh do shipping and handling, you know, all that busy stuff. Yeah. So take everything that you hate and just figure out a totally new way to present it. I love it. 
So I want to shift gears because I'm very interested. And I think I always like to ask the questions I think my audience is asking. And I feel like to me, the bigger question is there are so many people who, like we said, when they start, they learn to create their own salary and they may never move beyond that. Can you give some examples or, or concrete tips for people who have figured out they've created a salary for themselves? Maybe they still want it to be higher, maybe not, but they recognize they've created a salary for themselves. And uh, now we're opening the doorway to a new place where you can kind of move beyond your yeah. salary. Well, one, this is going to sound touchy-feely, but the first thing that I do with people is really talk with them and get to know their personality and find out what they like, what they don't like, what they're good at, what they're not good at, and most importantly, why they don't like things or why they do like it. A lot of times people don't even realize why they like or don't like things. Like it took me until I was in my 30s, I knew I didn't like recurring tasks, but I didn't understand why. You know, and I had to get older and understand the way that my mind works to, you know, to because I like new things and challenges. Um, so that's what I do first. And then I help, I talk with them about, okay, this is where they're at now. You know, do you have any idea kind of short-term within the next year? Is there anything in particular you want to do? But let's just take, throw everything to the wind. What would be your total dream like? If you could do anything that you wanted, what would that be in five years? Would a lot of people it might not be very much money. It might be being able to work from anywhere in the world and know that I could do what I love doing. Um, and that's an easy thing to solve because that way you just, you just have to make sure that your target market isn't local and that your service doesn't depend on a locality. And actually almost any service business out there can figure out a way to do that. I'll tell you in a minute about one, but um. Yeah, so that's where I start, but everything is based around their likes, dislikes, strengths, weaknesses, and their goals and dreams, and then based on those things, then we start back, do we just want to like take your experience over all these years and turn it into a product? where you could be like a remote consultant or something. Do we want to do that? Do you want to write a book that you can use to position yourself to become a speaker? Um, and, you know, people can make a decent living being a speaker, especially if it's a niche. Do you want to create actual products or invent something? Do you have some kind of idea that maybe you could get started and turn around and sell to somebody else? for a lot of money, especially if it's a digital product. As you know, I mean, that's a lot easier thing to pick up and do than actually a physical product. But, but that's do a digital product, are we talking about like a online program? Are we talking about like an app? It could be anything. Um, so yeah, it could be courses. Uh, it could be a combination of physical and digital. But so for example, a basic thing now would be if you want to be a speaker or help you write a book, help you, you know, ebook and all that, help you, help you get on podcasts, help you learn to use social media, help you build out a course or courses that then become products that then, then you can use that to start branching out into things that don't depend as much on you. 
but it's still all them because what they've built is a personal brand. I'm just being a devil's advocate. They've built a personal brand now. They've written the book. They are speaking. They are doing their social media. They're guiding people from social media to their online programs and their book. And this is their little, and this is a pretty standard personal brand planet right now. Yeah. But that is a completely unsellable asset. Exactly. And that was my point. We do okay. that first. It, so what I was saying is if it is somebody that wants to do the speaking and consulting, but they also want to develop something. That Got they it. So this is someone who's just creating a different salary for themselves. But, and but it's dependent on clocking hours. It's very flexible, but they've still built just more of a, a flexible, not amorphous, but it's a different kind of salary. They cannot be taken out of that business. There's nothing saleable in there. Right. Not at that point. Okay. But so when does I, it, where does I it? I was using that person. I was using as an example, if it's somebody who wants to be able to work from anywhere, but let's Got just get somebody at their house. I know a guy who owns a very successful insurance company, but wasn't challenged, got really interested in masterminds and realized how valuable they are. But you know yourself, it's really hard to find a good coach, one that matches up for you. You're going to find the ones that are loud, that are easy to find. You're not going to maybe find the best one. So he's actually developing a platform to AI to help people match up with the right coach and or the right mastermind. So that's an example of a digital product. Got it. And if that once that works, that's like an app. It it's not dependent on the owner or the owner's brand. It comes from him, but it's not attached yeah. to him in any way. Yeah. And it's actually more of a plat this, this thing he's doing is technically actually more of a platform than an app. But yeah. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?